0: What are you drinking today? Well,
1: Amanda, today I am enjoying a n- nice ice cold keystone. <laughs> that is a far cry from your normal concoctions. Hey, I'm trying to get simple. You always have something to say about my concoctions. So tonight, today, right now, we're ta- we're taking it easy.
0: Your concoctions
1: <laughs> are fun. <laughs> know. I'll be back at it. I just needed a break. Yeah, no worries. Um, My my liver hates me anyway. So, <laughs> what are you drinking today, Amanda?
0: I'm drinking some Svetka peach vodka with honey peach seltzer. You and your seltzers. I love my seltzers. They're like my very own version of White Claw.
1: Yeah, I can't drink White Claw when for any purpose
0: they're like Why uh,
1: I better yeah because they have vodka in them <laughs> welcome to this episode
0: of veterans drinking vodka we believe that every veteran has a story to tell and we are here to tell them we have found that being a service member is easy but being a veteran can be very hard in this episode we are talking to john hiltz
2: how you doing everybody
1: John served in the United States Marine Corps from 2002 to 2006 as a nuclear biological chemical defense specialist. Bam! How are you doing today, John?
2: Uh, I'm doing very well. And yourself? I'm wonderful. Thank you,
1: Amanda. I'm good. Happy to be here. And what are you drinking with us today?
2: Today I'm drinking just some sweet tea.
0: Perfect. T-
2: t- take it easy for the evening.
0: I don't. I don't blame you. <laughs> that's a that's a sip and drink there. That sweet tea. Can you tell us how your journey started and where you're from?
2: Uh, originally, I'm from. I was born in Maine, uh, but my parents were missionaries in Mexico. So when I was a kid, I grew up kind of. Uh, we were building churches, orphanages, and I used to do a lot of stuff on the border with uh, refugees was like 15, 16. I was smuggling food across the border like twice a week. So, but you know, always struggled to school, never was really good at school, never really did well in it. So uh, I ended up dropping out for a while, uh, finally making it up to public school and barely put, like, graduated high school. And that's when 9-11 happened was my gee, my senior year. So 9-11 happened and I was kind of in the boat with a lot of people that were kind of around me. It's like, well, we don't really, we're not going to college. We're really not doing anything particular. Uh, they're probably going to draft us eventually when we go to this war. So we might as well just join up and pick the branch that we wanted. So I ended up, uh, had a friend said, Hey, talk to my recruiter. Cause he'll get me a free t-shirt or something like that. I was like, I'll go talk to him. I ended up uh, enlisting a couple days later.
0: So you joined the Marines because they gave you a free t-shirt? No, they gave his friend. Oh, they, no, gave, they you-
2: gave my friend it. A-
0: they give your yeah, friend a free t It really,
2: it really wasn't the best deal on my part, so,
1: Yeah. <laughs> so why? What made you decide to to be a nuclear, biological, chemical defense specialist?
0: Yeah, let's let's cheers to being a nuclear, biological, chemical defense specialist. Yes, I'm sorry,
1: it's early for yeah. cheering, but that's an, like tongue twister. There,
2: there was a big push for, uh, for need for them and uh, the Marines at that time. So I. It was just, uh, it was my second choice. My first one was Intel, but unlike you, uh, very intelligent ladies with your very high ASVAPs, uh, mine was not that high. So I didn't have, uh, I hadn't even taken geometry yet when I took my ASVAP. So I kind of packed oh. that in to graduate. Yeah. So, uh, so they ended up, that was my second choice. They gave it to me and it, it worked out really good. It was a really unique job and I got to probably a, a real different experience compared to a lot of people that went in, you know, at a very small shop, kind of like, there was a lot of oversight, but not a lot of oversight, if that makes any sense. I only had, you know, a chief warrant officer and a staff sergeant above me, and they kind of said, hey, do what you need to do. So it made my time in the Marine Corps a little bit more different than a lot of people.
1: I feel like that that probably um, had you gone intel and been able to do intel, your experience in in the Marines would have been different.
2: Oh, yeah, vastly different. And my, my third option was tanks. So, you know, I, it could have went really far either way, really quick. So,
0: oh, tanks would have been fun. All right. So what were your duty stations and did you have a favorite one?
2: I was, you know, obviously a boot camp. I went to San, uh, MCRD San Diego, uh, Pendleton for training. And then I did nine months in Fort Leonard Wood for my NBC, oh, not, not nine months, Sick, you know, a long time in Fort Leonard Wood, it felt like forever. And then I went to Okinawa, Japan. I was in Japan for a year came back and went to Lejeune for a couple months, went to Iraq for a year and then came back to Lejeune and got out. So it wasn't really quick. Probably the, my favorite one was probably Japan. You know, we were lived on a coral reef out in the middle of nowhere. It was a bunch. you know, all we did, we worked out, party shotguns and did training. It was a good time. Um, it was just, that sounds
0: like the Marine Corps dream right there.
2: Yeah. It was, and it was, it was, you know, compl- I love different cultures. I love seeing different places. Uh, so, you know, Japan is so vastly different. I was living in Texas when I started. So I went from living in Mexico and Texas to Japan. It was awesome. So it was really unique.
0: I've heard really good things about Japan from all branches. I have too. I mean, we we've talked about that. Take our podcast on tour and that should be our first stop.
1: Yes. I am so down for that. Everyone who's been on can come with us. It'll be a Veterans Drinking Vodka podcast road trip to Japan. I don't think you can
0: road trip to Japan. It'd have to be like a boat trip or like a air trip. Well, we got a road trip to the airport. We do. <laughs> right. that,
2: was a, that was a long flight. Oh, my goodness. I remember, I think, uh, how it works with time. When you fly back, you actually land like an hour before you left on the time zone. Cause so you're like time traveling and it, that was the worst that jet lag. ever. The
0: international date line. So you lose a day. Yeah. You should try being on a naval ship doing that.
2: No, I'm good. I never, never wanted to be on ship. Never. Had, so that I'm was, good.
0: that was crazy when we did that on the ship. Cause it was like one side of the ocean you're in one day and one side of the ocean you're in the other day and you can like see them both. It's weird. I didn't get to experience that. <laughs> we'll have to take a cruise sometime and you can. Uh, to Australia. Luxury a cruise to Australia. Australia. And then I'll have my own walk day for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, do you have a favorite active duty story that you can tell us today?
2: It's one of those things. There's so many things that like, you know, especially with Will when he t- I heard his podcast last time. You know, it, it just brings up so many memories. Oh, this one's probably a little more of a it's, it's more it feels more like a close call on our part. So you know, we felt like uh oh wait, wait like you're gonna on. die before, but you didn't.
0: Before you get started, were you with Will when they had the chicken?
2: Yes, we were. I was there with him. I was not chasing a chicken. I was somewhere else at the time, but I remember seeing the chicken walking past. So it's I, not me not and Will. Leashed.
0: Yeah. Did you see yeah. the chicken leashed?
2: <laughs> yeah, we did. I, I remember walking up, and why is there a chicken sitting out here? But again, you know, I was I was there around camp for a while, and then I was in a coc, then I was running out in the city or out on comp. Like, so I was a little bit everywhere when I was there. So, <laughs> did
0: you? Have yeah, to whenever go I was
2: there, I hung the, out a lot with Will.
0: Did you have to go on any of the missions hunting the dingo?
2: No, I was not part of the uh, the interior guard QRF or anything like that. So <laughs> oh, okay. But awesome I, I, I heard about it it was it was definitely a time and a, a big thing but no uh, um one, one time we were way up north and we were digging up caches and um we had uh it was like a whole house it was built and it was just pretty much they, they dug up a tanker that they just filled with weapons so we were finding tankers filled with stuff and you know just tons and tons of bombs and our, our goal was to go out there and like dig them up and then kind of get an idea of what they had and then we blow them up so their idea was like, this is really. It was actually one of the largest caches they've ever found in Iraq. And I was on, you know, I saw my picture on Fox News a couple of days later, holding two mortars because they took a picture of me in the hole. But they uh, they said, hey, we're gonna we're gonna drop a five hundred pound bomb on this and blow it all up. So we're all like, yeah, that's gonna be awesome, you know. So we all, you know, we. Put everything in a pile and then we we take off and we're all standing there. And by this time it's dark and we're all looking, okay, the it's gonna be here. And they're they're calling on the radio and it's like, hey, the, the bomb's uh, about to go and they said fire, and then next thing you know, nothing, and then we hear a giant explosion behind us. So we turn around and we missed it, the the target by three miles, and we were in between where it landed, it was where it landed, where we were, and where the bomb was. So we had a, a pretty nice little close call where this guy, they ended up blowing some guy's backyard up pretty good.
0: Oh my goodness.
2: Yeah, so that was, a, that was interesting. Then they, they lasered it after that and blew it up. And that was probably one of the coolest explosions i ever seen because it just seemed like it went up and up and up and it was like igniting through the air. That was wow. probably one of my, my favorite bomb, bomb explosions. But but really for the a, a lot of the stuff that we did, it was just, you know, the it's just kind of being, like, I don't know how many times we've watched Anchorman I don't think a lot of vets talk about, like, you know, we always talk about these big grand things, but it's like, you know, that we didn't have memes then. We didn't have cell phones or really internet or so. You no, know, we just quoted Anchorman to each other constantly. And, you know, we had a lot of really good friends. And it, those are the really the, uh, stories you really can't explain to people. Instead, these friendships it, and this, how much you would laugh no matter how terrible what was going on or what life was every day. You know, we still had those time we got together and we, you know, everyone huddled around a laptop and watched some stupid movie. So that was really the times that really meant the most that I think about the most now is, you know, the times that we had with just people with vets and, you know, other service members at the time. But that was, you know, just
0: we had never, you'll never get that on the ship. Like you said, we didn't have memes. We, we didn't even have Facebook yet when I was deployed. So,
1: we, I mean, a lot of times, but you didn't even really have internet. No, time. you didn't
0: have internet either. So we had this, um, someone had sent me in a care package, one of those carpet games with the big plastic bowling pins and a big plastic bowling ball. And like... We had so much fun with that all deployment. Like, it turned into a shit show, but it was so much fun all the time. You never think that, like, when you're out there, you're going to have those experiences with, like, a plastic bowling ball and some bowling pins that are just going to, like, bring a group of people together and create memories that last a lifetime. Also, Gilmore Girls.
1: Hey, uh, cheers to life in the military before
0: memes. (laughs) Cheers to life in the military before memes. So, Dawn, I heard a little insight about your time over there in Iraq and I heard that you guys had an like the air guitar version of a boy band
2: oh yeah yeah we did <laughs> I th- we had a uh, we had a group of us and no uh we we had a group uh, it was just five of us that kind of hung out uh we were all kind of in different shops other than uh Will and Baker but we had we were called the Semper Five so we have some ridiculous pictures of us pretending to be like a boy band in our uniforms and an armory and outside. And yeah, so those pictures are on the internet somewhere. So
0: we might have to find them. I'm going to go Google. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So after all the fun and scary moments and brotherhood sisterhood that we had while we were on active duty, eventually you have to get out. How was your transition from the Marine Corps into being a civilian?
2: Well, I was getting out because I got out in 2006. So there was still quite a bit going on um, war-wise when I was getting out. So there's a lot of deployments. So we really didn't get a, a taps or, you know, like I went to a meeting that was like four hours long and a gun. He was like, yeah, you know, go talk to the VA when you're done. Uh, here's suicide number. This is how you do a resume. Like I not even had how to do a a blank resume that was already filled out like copy this with your own stuff and get a job so I kind of got out of the military and I really didn't know what I wanted to do or could do the first couple jobs I had were terrible it was just you know I, I thought hey you know I'm a vet so everyone wants to hire a vet everyone likes them and they're gonna do well by you then you find out that yeah everyone loves to work vets to death because they know they don't they're hard workers and they're not they're gonna they'll put up with more crap um and they so show it, up to work on time. Yeah, we show up, you know, and even if we're hung over, we're still there and we, we're semi-productive, which is more so. Uh, but yeah, I, I had a hard time. I ended up going to college. I went to St. Louis Christian College. I wanted to, I figured I just want to help people. Uh, really, probably haven't had direction. Really, what I wanted to do was my life. Probably till now, I really don't know what I want to do still. But I ended up working a lot with the homeless and uh, just kind of doing the school thing. Then I'd go down, we'd feed the homeless on a couple nights a week and just kind of hang out with people. Got to meet a lot of vets on the street, a lot of, you know, and then try to do like some casework with them. Hey, why are you on the street? What can we do? Let's get you a job. You know, send a lot of guys to rehab, get them off drugs. Um, and I did well until I probably graduated, uh, until I actually finished my school. Cause I was working like two jobs doing ministry, had a new baby, uh, full-time school, all that stuff. So I had no time to like stop and think it was just constantly like, you know, like a deployment in my mind. And the second I started having free time and, uh, not having, you know, like that constant structure where I I was just working a nine to five job, uh, started really getting depressed a lot, uh, drinking a lot. Um, got into the, the whole, I just didn't want to be around anymore. You know, why, why do, why am I here? Why am I struggling? You know, everything on paper looks good beautiful wife, you know, got good kids, got a good job. Like I really, like I had a wife that loved me and I had people that cared about me. Like there's nothing in my life that says you, I didn't have, I didn't see the, why do I have a neg- Why do I have these negative thoughts? Why do I have these feelings? Why am I having these struggles and anxiety from, you know, war that hasn't bothered me in eight years? So, and I ended up going into, you know, inpatient a couple times, had a lot of problems just going constantly back and forth. And if anyone's ever gone inpatient or dealt with, you know, medicines and mental health, what happens? They give you a bunch of medicines and they don't know if it's going to work right for you. So they have to constantly adjust it. Well, that didn't, I never dealt with the, the issues at hand that were causing it, the underlying. So with just the medication and drinking on top of it, this has made me spiral out. So... I spent a lot of time getting help and a lot of time luckily that I have a wife that cares about me and a family that cares about me and put up with my crap. But through that, I've actually been able to realize, Hey, you know, there is, you know, there's stuff that you need to work on. You you just got to work on it. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's mainly it. That is, I I struggled for a long time and now I'm, I kind of in a place where I've, I've been through it. And that's where I got my job now where I help other vets that are in the situation that are going through struggles and stuff like that. And I try to help assist them and, you know, however I can, so they can continue on and get better themselves.
0: Do you feel so like it's helpful for you and your recovery process, your or not really recovery, but your mental health journey, to be in a position where you are assisting other veterans that are going through the same things that you've been through?
2: Mm-hmm. It, uh, I've always said, people, if you want to learn anything, uh, start teaching it. You know, if you really want to learn how to, you know, deal through your stuff, work, and then it's, I'll, I'll feel the most uh, satisfied in my life. If I go work a job and, you know, I'm sure I could go weld, I can do the alignment, I could make a bunch of money doing a bunch of other stuff, but it wouldn't make me happy, you know, in the long run, if I'm not helping somebody or feeling like I'm being productive or, you know, kind of like being a, an NCO in the military, you know, you're supposed to take care of your troops. I kind of feel like this is an extension of me just helping out other people. I see people struggling. Hey, well, what what resources can I get them? How can I help them? What can they do? You know, helped some people. This I dropped off a bunch of stuff at the Carbondale warming center. Helped out some people there with some hygiene gear. You know, well, there's a lot of stuff I could do on a random weeknight. You know, sit and watch TV, or I can go do something productive. Doing something productive makes me feel better about myself, and also makes me feel like I'm making the world a little better.
1: Cheer, cheers! To, cheers to that. I mean, I don't. Cheers I'm, to being I'm in service of others. That all day every day so out of all the things that you have done and it and if you don't want to talk about this that's fine out of all the things that you have done to help you with your struggles since you've been a veteran what has been I mean I know you said you're doing what you're doing but as far as getting outside help from the professionals what has been the most effective for you
2: uh That's a good question. I I think a lot of it has to do, it comes down to internally, you have to want to get better. Like I I had, I had to, I had to make the decision. Same thing with like, you know, uh, you know, we, nothing against people to drink. People drink around me all the time. It just wasn't good for me. And it worked. If I, if I drank it, it it messed with my medications and then it didn't. So I, I made it this choice. Hey, I'm, I'm not gonna be the guy at the party anymore. The drinks. And then uh, I started once I kind of got my mind clear from a lot of the meds that I was taking that I didn't need to take. I was able to work them with my docs and get those down. I did a they call EMDR, which is rap, uh, like rapid eye movement something. I did that kind of therapy. And then I uh, see like cognitive behavioral therapy where you just kind of talk through like, you know, you you sit down with someone and say, Hey, these are my thoughts. I feel like I'm going to get jumped constantly when I'm out in the parking lot or when I'm, you know, I leave my house. Why do I feel like that? Well, you you kind of work through it and you're like, well, is it, you know, some things are true and some things aren't true. And sometimes we make up stuff in our own mind and just having an, and I went in, I luckily I had, a he was a staff sergeant in the army and then he went to state police for like 20 years and became a social worker. So he was a really good guy at a vet center that helped me out for a long time. But, you know, I actually had to sit down and really think about it and really work through stuff.
1: On uh, one of our previous episodes, um, we actually spoke to Ryan about EMDR Mm -hmm. and um, how helpful that is. So I appreciate you mentioning that, but also CBT, the cognitive behavior therapy. CBT is super such a super super powerful method of therapy for a lot of um hard shit to deal with mm-hmm. um they use it a lot with not just ptsd or military ptsd but sexual abuse cbt is really good for for abuse and and stuff like that but cbt
2: mm-hmm. yeah and you, yeah. i don't know if you want to add all this on there but i actually work in the um I'm here at the Marion VA and I'm part of the PTSD clinic. So I work here. I'm their peer support. So I also work with substance abuse. I work closely. I don't work so much with the MST groups, but I have some guys that I talk to individually that have MST that, so, you know, I, I've I've been around. So I've seen a lot of benefit through a lot of guys, especially from the Vietnam guys to the prolonged exposure where they said, man, I wish I would have done this 60 years ago. I've been dreading this stuff my whole life. And after, you know, 10 weeks of doing PE and actually talking about every situation, you know, they, it's, it's amazing to see the life change in a lot of these guys.
1: I think just the ability to be able to talk about things. And that's really what Amanda and I are trying to accomplish with, with our podcast is just having, I mean, we're not all together. We're not all in the same room talking, but having that ability and outlet to, Talk in a place where you feel feel comfortable talking. I mean that's huge, huge. And especially like Vietnam vets who I mean everyone knows how they were treated when they came back, and for them to be able to have that outlet, it just sucks that it was it's so much later. I mean that's really mine and Amanda's goal with with this podcast is talk and and we really let you talk about the things that are. Comfortable for you,
2: hmm. right? Yeah. And well, and I, I I'm used to with my story because that's part of what I do. Is I I have no problem telling anybody because that was my my biggest issue whenever I was having troubles is I felt like I was the only one. You know, I wasn't a infantry marine, so I didn't see a ton of ton of combat. You know, I saw some, but I didn't see what everyone else saw, so I shouldn't have a problem. So i you know you feel very alone. And without, when you feel alone, you don't reach out for help, and you don't do anything to better yourself.
0: Absolutely, it took me over ten years before I was ready to get help, and I'm. I started my mental health journey about six months ago, and it's it's ongoing, awesome. and it's just starting. So it's like we're still putting in the hard work. Um, Amber puts up with a lot from me, bless her heart. <laughs> and um, hey, you
1: put up, you put up with it from me too, so.
0: Yeah. So it's it's something and especially starting this podcast, it was something that I talked to my mental health professionals about before I started. And it's something that my team and I, my mental health I call them a mental health team because, you know, it's it's <laughs> more than one person, but it's something that we talk about continuously. It's something we talked about before we started, and it's something that that I believe and they believe is helping me. And it's something that we believe is helping other vets too, because like you said, they feel alone and several vets on here. And I know Amber talks a lot about how she never felt like she had a right to feel like she could have the, the depression and the PTSD and some of those, those military, I call them post-military issues because we don't always know like what exactly mm-hmm. they are because she didn't technically deploy to a combat zone. I think that that's
1: been super that's been super common though Amanda yeah, with a lot of our guests is that and what civilians in the real world doesn't understand is that you didn't have to go to combat you didn't have to see things crazy things horrible things the things that you see on the news and you hear about you didn't have to directly see those things to to be impacted by them like you you deployed Amanda but and and you didn't directly do something but you were putting those people on the on the ground right you were putting the people on the ground who did see that type of stuff and I'm not the only one um I mean that that is becoming a very common it's becoming a common
0: theme that I wasn't aware of on how many even people that were boots on the ground combat how they felt like their combat wasn't like their combat experience wasn't enough for them to have the feelings that they were having and so it's been incredible and i'm hoping that as we continue we keep hearing those stories and i think it's important because it's important for all these veterans to know that they're not the only ones having those those thoughts and those issues of feeling like they don't deserve the best care that they can get because they do it's super important and it's one of the one of our motivators for for starting this podcast so i'm glad that you brought that up that and I say it all the time, like, everyone's story is their own, and you don't know mm-hmm. how how their experience impacted them as opposed to someone else. Like, you're going to come back completely different than the guy that stood next to you the whole time. So <laughs> how are you doing now? Yeah. How are you doing today?
2: Yeah, I'm doing probably – I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm probably the best I've ever been for since I've been out. Uh, kid, kids are doing good. Uh, still have normal – I think a big part of it is learning how to cope and learning the strategies of like what to do. You know, it's like, I used to get really mad or something like that. And then, okay, I didn't do anything with it. So I teach mindfulness at the VA and I do a lot of stuff for like meditation ride my bike, uh, learned how to communicate with, you know, with my spouse and actually say, you know, if I have a flashback or I'm having like, I'm real stressed out or having a panic attack, I can tell her and she understands it now. So it's like, oh, okay, well, go chill out in the room for a few minutes. And she's real supportive before, you know, before she knew what was going on, it it didn't make sense. And that was be, it just made more conflict. So I feel like I'm doing the best I I can do now and just helping who I can. And you you got out
0: in 2006 and now it's 2020 and you're just now feeling like you're in your best place.
2: So yeah. Pro- probably in the last year or so is by where I, I felt it
0: hasn't been a quick journey. Like you've had to go through some stuff to get there.
2: Yeah. 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 A that's lot, right. a lot of it was really rocky. So, you know, but that's, yeah. you know, it's a learning process. You can't change what you do, but now I'm hoping that where I am now I can at least be an impact. And if, if a cup you can, if you can help a couple, you know, that's worth it to me. So.
0: Right. Exactly. And, and it's okay for it to take that long and figure it out, but you have to be willing to admit that you need the help and then start the journey. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that, in my opinion, that's the hardest part. Do you have any advice for, I know you work in the veteran community. You see a lot more than a lot of us do. Do you have any advice for the veterans out there that are trying to find their way?
1: Or people, or, or people who are getting ready to get out.
2: Yeah. 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 I I would say, uh, if you're, if you're just getting ready to go out, be be prepared that it's not going to be easy or hard as you're going to, you know, it's, it's going to just be different depending on who you are. So, you know, just be prepared to, you know, it's, it's almost like being a boot again. You're getting out and you say, Hey, I was a Sergeant when I, or even I've had gunnies get out and say, you know, I did all this stuff. And like, that's cool. You can stock shelves. And so you're really taking a big step back uh, when you get out of the military for, like, respect-wise. And I think a loss of – we don't realize the loss of identity that we have going from, you know, having a uniform on to then just being like everyone else. And so really – Inside, inside and- we're still the – I'm still the Marine I've always been, but I just – I don't have that respect like I would when I had the uniform on.
0: Yeah, like, and really – it's hard because you're coming out like i got out in 2011 so i did 10 years in the service and i had to take an entry level position even though i didn't have an entry level resume because i had no civilian mm-hmm. experience and that was unbelievably hard to deal with because i mean i'm the i'm the same way
1: too i mean all of my i mean i got out and i went to college with kids I sat in college with kids who I don't I don't remember if I talked about it before, but I'm twenty something years old sitting in college classes with 18, 19 year olds who are complaining about one thing where I've got two kids at home. I'm working a part time job, going to school full time, running a household and you're doing this, but we're gonna leave here and be at the same level because we both have the same degree.
0: Yeah.
2: That was uh, incredibly hard to wrap my head around. Yeah. And also, uh, advocate, learn to advocate for your own care. Uh, in the military, a big one is, you know, don't go to sick call. And now I tell people, like my nephew is getting ready to go. And, and I'm like, dude, I'm proud of you. Now, if you get hurt, you go to sick call and you get that on paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah. you just learn, learn, to, learn to advocate for your own care. A lot of people like to bash the VA. And th- this is my opinion. This is not the VA. I don't speak for the VA. But, you know, stuff fall through the cracks. So if you need to get an appointment, you call until you get an appointment and you harass them on phones. The same thing, like my son has autism. We had the hardest time getting getting him any, anywhere because no one would take our insurance. No one would do this. So Me and my wife, we had to hound people for a long time to get him his care, but he's worth it for us. So we have to make that effort. So you're worth it in your own life to take care of yourself. So advocate the best for your own health care, for your own mental health. Don't take no for an answer and say, hey, we can't get you in. Hey, well, give me a community. Give me where I need. So whatever you need to get done, take care of yourself. You know, don't, don't just put it by the wayside. You know, Really push forward.
0: Right. And if you keep pushing for it, you'll find the right people that give you the help that you need. And I know when I went to my – like I started late, so it took me a minute to get to where I was finally ready to put an, an initial claim to the VA saying that I have these issues that I need help with. And when I went to my board for them to see if I had any service connected disabilities, the psychologist that I talked to or the, I don't know, she's a psychologist, psychiatrist, the mental health professional that I talked to. She was like, don't let the VA tell you, here's some medication and leave you alone. She said, make sure that you advocate to continue to talk to someone on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And like, that was her advice. And it was I thought it was fantastic advice. Like I've been able to talk to someone once a month since I started and they've been Mm -hmm. very involved in my decisions and my choices and my course of medication that, that they feel that I need and how it affects me. And we've changed it a few times. I didn't start with five, like a lot of people, five or 10 or, you know, like they didn't just throw a bunch of medications at me. So it was very Mm
2: -hmm.
0: involved. And that doesn't sound like an experience that a lot of people at the VA get. And so I don't know if I've been lucky or if I said the right things to the right people and that got me the help that I need. I'm not really sure, but it was, it's been a good experience at the VA for, for me personally.
2: And I, and I, I've, I've seen a lot of improvements Stephen. but they have, they've been dumping so much money in research and they're getting a lot more younger people into the VA that really care. They're getting a lot of veterans. I think a third of the VA is now veterans that are in there actively trying to make it better for other veterans and along with a lot of other good civilian employees, my PTSD team that I work with, they are amazing. Like I have every time we have vets that go through the program, they, just, these are the most amazing ladies that they've ever talked to, but they really are professionals and they dig hard and they really push you to, you know, get help. But, you know, you have to show up to the appointments. You have, you know, that, that's a space, you know, we have lots of people that say, Hey, I want help. And then never show up and, I end up t- right. calling them and trying to get them in and it's, it's hard, but let's Nowadays you can do VTel, you can do calls. You can, you know, you know, I, I do a lot of my appointments over the phone now cause I don't feel like going over to wherever I need to be. I can just do it on my phone from my house. That's super right. simple. So
0: I've been doing all of mine on the via video because I like to have that face to face interaction, but mm-hmm. it's nice that I don't have to like fight traffic and get up there and sit in an office and all that. Like at, Eight o'clock. If my appointment's at eight o'clock, like I log on, the psychologist is on. Like we do what we have to do for forty minutes, and then we both are able to go on about our day. So
1: I think I think that 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 um, availability, and I'm glad that you said that, so that people can hear you saying that because sometimes, like I'm ready to get help, but I don't want to go and be around people. I don't like driving down the road. I don't like all of these things that normally in A year ago, two years ago, three years ago, fucking six months ago, you had to show up.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, and you're saying that now, you don't have to. You don't have to
0: leave where you
1: feel comfortable.
0: Right. Right. And it's nice because you're still getting that face to face with Mm -hmm. your psychologist. So they can still see your body movements. They can still see your facial expressions. They can still see if something is upsetting you. Like it's, and, they're getting more training on how to read people through virtual experiences as opposed to in-office experiences. And I know the Dallas VA – I can't speak for any others – but the Dallas VA has had great success with the video teleconferencing, and they're talking about mm-hmm. about keeping a lot of their stuff that way because they they're actually able to help more people and fit more appointments in because they're not shuffling people through an office like you – get on at your time, you get straight to the point, you do what you got to do. And then you get Mm -hmm. off your appointment, they're able to type in their notes, and then they're ready to log back in and help the next person. And so they've, Mm -hmm. they've found that they've had, based on what my, my mental health team has told me, they said that they've had great success. And they're talking about like, not even going back to face to face visits, because the virtual teleconferencing is working so well.
1: John, what are you? What are you what are you thinking? I feel like you have thoughts in your head right now. <laughs>
2: he no, it's just I, I'm I'm happy because I I wish there was more stuff like this whenever I I was getting out so I can hear and you know a, a lot of the you know my job is peer support you know it's just getting people resources a lot of people don't know what resources are resources are out there same thing with you know Even little stuff like in Illinois, if you have a rating above, I I think it's fifty percent or forty percent, or I don't know, uh, you can get a free hunting and fishing license. You You can just go over to the yeah. So you just go over there and they sign. But you know that saves you some money. But you know a lot of guys, you know, we take people fishing. That's good therapeutic time. Get out, get away in nature, and have a good time. They they don't know there's so many resources out there that we as veterans, you know, need to share with each other to let each other know. And then also, you know, letting each other know that. You're, you're not alone out here.
0: Well, and part of that too, and those like resources that aren't as familiar to other veterans that we can help spread like the free hunting fishing license. Like if you have a veteran disability and you go onto the national parks website, it says you have to be hundred percent. But when you go to a national park and talk to them, they'll give you the lifetime pass for being a disabled veteran. You don't have to be a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And so it's little things like that, that if we can help spread the word, like that's helpful in so many ways because now I have a national park pass and I'm able, and I don't have to spend the $130 a year to get it. And so I can cruise around and maybe like go on a vacation to a national park that's now costing me a significant amount of money less than what it would have. And that relieves stress in other parts of my life or like you said, the hunting and fishing license, or in Texas, if you're a disabled veteran, you don't have to pay anything for your driver's license. Like it's little, mm-hmm. little things like that, that are really- little
1: stressors, little stressors yeah. that accumulate and do not help the big stressors.
0: So yeah. to be able
1: to take those little stressors
0: away and the little things that, um, cause there's so many great programs. Like I'm lucky enough that I roommate with some veterans that, kind of took me under their wing and picked me up when I was at my low point. And one of them works for voc rehab at the VA. And okay. Health. And then the other one is just an advocate for all resources because he's 30 year army retired. And he's like, if we don't use these resources that none of the people in like my generation are using, he's like, they're going to go away and they're not going to get be rid for- of them. Yeah. That's they're budget. Be there for future People, So he's like, I don't care if you hunt or fish or not, like go get a hunting and fishing license because then the program knows the vets are using it. And so if Mm -hmm. they're, he's like, even if you're not hunting and fishing, like it's not costing the state anything to give you a free license because you weren't going to hunt and fish anyway. So you would have never bought one. So it's not like you're, they're losing the revenue from you not buying one, but like go Mm -hmm. get it because it's a, it's a resource and it's a, a perk for, you being a veteran, and then veterans in the future that do hunt and fish, that that can be a great program for them. It'll still be there for them, and they can go do it too. John, if our listeners want to find you, where can you be reached?
2: Uh, you can uh, pass out my uh, my email, uh, jlhiltz, H-I-L-T-Z, at gmail.com. That's probably the easiest way. And just give me a message and say, I heard you from the podcast, and uh, we can connect. I don't really have a whole lot of social media and more like I I deleted LinkedIn. I had like four or five thousand people on there that I don't even know. And I just ended up deleting that. Same thing with like Instagram. I'm just kinda trying trying to focus more on spending time with the family. But you know, I have my connections with directly with email that I talk to vets and help out people wherever I can.
1: That's awesome. Cheer a cheer cheers to you kind of being an insider
0: and an, Having advocate. A
1: little, you, an advocate. You have a little extra knowledge when it comes to Uh, va stuff we've had mixed reviews Mm -hmm. from veterans on the show on how they feel about the va so i think that people listening or even prior prior guests have you directly um if they are comfortable enough to to reach out to you and i think that that's awesome
0: so cheers to being an advocate
1: Cheers Cheers to being an advocate
0: Amber, do you want to discuss the charity that we're supporting in this episode? Sure. So the charity
1: that we are supporting in this episode, prior episodes, probably future episodes, uh, is the Tilvahala Project. I'll say it again. I wear their bracelet every day. It's um, 22 a day. And that is to signify that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. For us, that is not an okay thing. There are places for you to be able to get out help, for you to be able to reach out to. Tilvahala Project is an organization that strongly supports veterans and bringing awareness to veteran suicide.
0: All right. So, if you would like to contact Amber and I directly and get more information or learn how to contact our guest this evening, John. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. Or you can send us an email directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com.
1: Please reach out. Let us know if you'd like to be a guest on our podcast and share your story. Like Amanda said, you can email us directly or you can DM us on any of those platforms that she mentioned.
0: If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean. Spotify, tune in Google podcasts or Amazon. Also leave us a review and let us know what you think.
1: John, I want to thank you for being on here uh, today.
2: Thanks for having me on. And
1: uh 20, 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never
0: alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers. Cheers.